everybody cast No, don't be naughty, go meet everybody Here on Buddy Cast Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the founder and host of BuddyCast, Nick Sorensen. Welcome to all my buddies out there in BuddyCast land. I'm your host, Nick Sorensen, and joining me today is a very special buddy, Yano Anea, also known as Grover Dill from A Christmas Story. How you doing today, buddy? Fantastic. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on the show. It's a pleasure. I've always, everyone loves the Christmas story, you know? Yes. Well, most everybody. Most everybody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At least everyone I talk to say they watch it on December 25th like it's a religion, you know? Yeah, oh, yes. It has definitely become a staple. That's for sure. Yes. So let's start off in the beginning. How did you find the role of Grover Dill? Well, actually, the role of Grover Dill found me. Um, so, uh, you know, it's funny that you asked me this question because I was thinking about it the other day that the story that I've been telling for that got a message on an answering machine. It was my manager calling. I got an audition for my first big movie. So my mom took me to this audition. There was about 300 kids there. It was in a YMCA gymnasium. There was about four people behind a desk and kids would just line up and just read lines and just keep walking. It was weird, right? I've never experienced that before. And so um, got a call back like three days later, went back and there was about a hundred kids there and did my thing. and. Four days later, I got a callback, and that's when I met Bob Clark and some of the um, executive producers. And so I just did my job, and Bob Clark pulled my mom aside, and my mom came and talked to me and said, um, "You got the job." And so um, what I what I didn't think about was is I always tell everybody that the only reason why I did a Christmas story and became Grover Dill was because my mother um, made me cut my hair off because there was a condition for me to become over deal to get the job and that was i had to cut my hair off because back in the 40s nobody was wearing long hair right but we're talking we we're in the 80s in, at the time that i got cast with this movie right and i was mm -hmm. 10 years old and i had never cut my hair i'm from southern california right i'm a, a surf kid and and um, you know all that fun stuff and so um what i didn't what i told everybody is that I, I had to cut my hair off right so that was my mom is the pivotal point of me getting that that first job in basically telling me that my hair will go back don't worry about this is something that is that you, you this is your first movie like you gotta cut your hair like wake up <laughs> right <laughs> and so um so i did that but to think back further that what because i always tell everybody that my mom was that pivotal point but in reality my manager who's tammy lynn who is very well known in the industry for 50 years and had a lot of huge clients over the years it was really her because she's the one that had the resources and the networking and, and knew the right people in order to get that audition for me so and, and I want you to know that I got a text message from her yesterday wishing me happy Thanksgiving, right? And how's the uh -huh. family going and so forth. And she's still in my life a couple times a year. And she tells me, ah, you, you, your movie's on, and, you know, it's, and it's it's a special thing for a lot of different people. And so Tammy Lynn was my manager and, and she's one of the most beautiful souls that you'll ever meet. And she works so hard at helping, you know, actors get jobs. And so um, I, I just want to say that 
the reason why I became Grover Dill was because of her. Mm-hmm. Do you mind if I ask, how did you meet her? That's a great question. My mom. Um, so, all right, let's back it up even further. So my sister, when we moved, we, my family, my father got a job um, at STP, which back then was an oil company refinery down in El Segundo, California. And um, he got a job when we were living in Miami. And so think about, you know, back in the 70s, um, there was no phones. There, there was only mail and a telephone call. And so uh, he got this job through mail and through phone calls. And so we packed up the family and moved to me. And this was back in 1976. I was, I'm sorry, 75. I was three, three and a half years old. And um, so my sister, my, my youngest sister of four, I'm the youngest of all of them, but my youngest sister of four, she was already acting. And when she was at the time, she was almost eight years old and she had already been acting because she loved drama she loved acting she wanted to be an an actress and my mom helped her with that while we were in miami and so when we got to hollywood like literally we lived in san fernando valley which is about 20 to 45 minutes over over the mountain from hollywood my sister begged my mom to get headshots done and to get an agent and to put her in show business because we were literally in Hollywood and she wanted to become an actress. And so my mom found Tammy Lynn through a, a yellow pages. I believe that's what it was, was it was a yellow pages. So she looked her up, management, Tammy Lynn management, called her, went over there, met her, fell in love with her. Katie got on the roster. Katie first audition that she got was for a movie called When Every Day Was the Fourth of July, uh, which was, I believe in 1977, it was with Burl Ives and she was the lead. Her very first movie, she was a lead character. Wow. On her first audition, she got the job. And so, of course, on your first audition, you get a major job as a lead character or a supporting lead character. Her head got really big, my sisters, right? If you look at the competition becoming an actress now, it's vast because back then there was literally maybe 80 to 100,000 actors nationwide. Now there's you know, 12 times that. So when my mom was carrying me on her hip, taking my sister to all these auditions and taking her to jobs, she was like, I might as well just put him into acting lessons and have Tammy take care of him. And, and we might as well make this a family business. I have to, she had to quit her job to help, you know, Katie build her career. And so might as well put both of them in there. And literally I started getting commercials after commercials after commercials. After, I did a lot of commercials, a lot of like after school um, kids sitcoms, stuff like that. So I was working like literally I was doing four or five commercials a year, which back then was really good money for a kid, a baby. Literally, I was four and a half, five, six, seven years old. So um, and that's when I, you know, I got my first audition for my first movie at 10 years old. Nice. Yeah, man. What was you? What was your favorite commercial you've ever been in, probably? Oh, I have to say, oh, my favorite commercial. That's a, I'd say Shreddies. So mm. Shreddies was a commercial that I booked the same time I booked A Christmas Story, and it happened mm-hmm. to be both filming in Toronto, Canada. So when I flew to film A Christmas Story, well, actually I went to um, Cleveland first for a couple of weeks, and then they they moved. 
the whole cast to had gotten a a job prior to that and it was filming in Toronto. I didn't we didn't know we were going to Toronto, but we ended up in Toronto like literally right at the same time I was going to do this this interview or this this um, commercial. So Shreddies is very similar to Life cereal. I know the little the mm-hmm. squares Life cereal. Yeah. And so that, that one there was super fun because um Oh my God! Now I can't his name. What's Urkel's real name? I can't remember his name. Jamil? Thank like you, Jamil. Yeah. Jamil White. Yeah. So Jamil White was also in the commercial with me. So I met Jamil White when he was literally like mm, seven years old, eight years old, and we did the Shreddies commercial together. There was like five of us. There was Webster. There was uh, Jamil, um, me, and I can't remember the other kid's name. He's he's very well known now too. And so it was fun because it was like literally I did one commercial there and then walked right onto the set to a Christmas story. So that was pretty nice. Cool yeah. Now, speaking of co-stars and everything like that, what was it like working with the people in a Christmas story like Peter, Zach, Darren, and Melinda? That's a good question. So I actually never got to meet Darren. I never mm-hmm. even met Melinda. Um, mm. Bob Clark wanted to keep me and Zach Ward separated from the rest of the cast to keep it authentic on, on set. And so, so, but of course me, Scotty, uh, we, we would go play um, in the city of Cleveland back in that time when we were there uh, and, and cause a little ruckus and a little trouble in the town. Um, Ian was just too young. Like his mom would not let him go out with us at all. But our parents were like, go have fun. Just, don't hurt yourselves, please. We got work to do. <laughs> so I got along very well with, with Zach Ward. Me and him clicked. Um, and then also Scotty and I clicked as well. Like Scotty is a really, really good dude. Um, Peter and I, we clicked, but we've never talked ever since that. Me, Scotty, mm. and Zach, we talk often, uh, probably four or five times a month. We talk. Still. Wow. Yeah. Nice. So you'd like to keep it like a, it's like a family, really. It is 100%. Yeah, it's like me, me, Zach, um, Scotty, and Ian, we're like brothers. Like, literally, that yeah. movie kind of brought us really close together. You know? I'm, gl- I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad it's not just one of those, like, hey, we did this movie. I haven't talked to him since. Or, like, you just answered the question, like, don't know. Haven't talked to him since. You know, like, that was X amount of yeah. years ago. Yeah. Couldn't tell you if they were still breathing today or not, you know? Correct. Right, right. So, now... <laughs> In the Christmas, in the Christmas story, what was your all-time favorite scene, whether you did it or not? Oh man! Oh, let's, actually, you know, let's make that, that a two-part question. Uh, your favorite scene that you did, and that is that's enough. I'm gonna go real quick. So yeah. um, that's an often asked question, and you know, when I was in Florida for my mom's 89th birthday about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, the, the one thing that she wanted to do with each other because she didn't know if we were going to be able to spend Christmas with each other this year was to watch a Christmas story. So. We watched a Christmas story and actually did it live um, in in the Christmas story group or on the page. Uh, it showed a couple of scenes and just talked to everybody. And so there's just so many good scenes in that movie, man. It is so hard to choose a favorite one. Um, mm. But I always re- will revert back to the Mommy's Little Piggy scene where uh-huh, yeah. mom gives permission to Randy to smash his face in his in his smashed potatoes and when he got permission to be a kid like at the dinner table and not have to follow any rules just the way that his reaction was it was so genuine as a kid like oh my god i'm not going to get in trouble if i do this i am going in and so that's one of my favorite scenes yeah 
Yeah. What about a what about a favorite Grover Dill scene? Ah, you know. Um well I think it wasn't my favorite, but mm-hmm. it was it was a an experience that I'll never forget. Um, and that was a scene where after they run after he makes them say uncle in the in the alley and they all run away, not the not the scene where they go back into the school, but when they run back home in the alley, Zach hits me in the shoulder and then I hit him back. And then he mm-hmm. hits me in the shoulder again and I hit him again. He hits me in the shoulder again and I hit him a little harder. And then he's like, wait a second, and he hits me pretty hard, right? And and that take, I think it was the 16th take that he hit me really hard at the end of my shoulder was so sore already that that reaction that I had, literally, I, I really felt like I needed to try to tackle him. <laughs> so it was so authentic. My, my response was like, So that was an actual real, like, ow, oh, man, what God, was that, that for? Stung, man. Like, yeah. ow. That wasn't just you being like, so, ow, you know, like, yeah, it's 50 no. bucks. ow, you know, yeah. my shoulder. And you know, the one, the funnest scene that I did was actually when Peter or Ralphie hits me, when I jump off yeah. the car and say, Hey kid. Right. And he turns around yeah. and flat, he hits me and I fly back because in the, in the snow behind me, they actually dug a big hole and they put a huge like gymnastics mat in the ground. And then they put a bunch of snow on top of it, like falling on a mattress. It was, it was fun. That was kind of cool. Nice. That's awesome. So. <laughs> You've said you've watched this movie how many times again? Oh, man. I, I really, I mean, over the, I couldn't, I don't know, hundreds? Nice. Maybe? Maybe? A, I don't know. Let's yeah. see. If, if we were to really, like, try to get a number on it, I'd have to say, yeah, oh, okay, 38 years and then minus, like, 10 years. So, let's just say 28 years times, like, 28 times, let's just say five. So, 120, 150 times. Wow. That's, that's, I would say, more reasonable number. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And is that a lake lamp I see behind you? It sure is. Ah, uh, sweet. You know, I saw, the, <laughs> sure I saw the most awesome thing, and I think it was on the Facebook page that you manage. Uh-huh. It said, um, it was a baby onesie, and it said, be careful, I'm fragile that's the I told I told my girlfriend when we have kids one day that it's the that I'm getting them that one. one. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. So yeah. going awesome. so going back to your character a little bit, what yeah. were your thoughts on your character like today? What are your thoughts today on your character if you really had to like explain him to someone? God, you know, uh I think that you know Grover Grover was raised in a family where his he lived in fear. Mm-hmm. Um, because his father was very strict. Uh, his his mother was, I mean, if, if you look at A Christmas Story, the father and the dad, imagine the father being uh, like a, an alcoholic, very evil person and wasn't very nice to his wife. Um, mm. so I think, you know, with, with that kind of like thought process of having a, um, you know, very dysfunctional uh, household, having some kind of, you know, abandonment, lack of love from dad, you know, that kind of um, trauma, I should say, for a child to, to get to endure. Um, and then running the streets with 
a taller, bigger, uglier uh, bully mm-hmm. that had basically had, you know, his the same thing. Like, you know, he's he's got his ass kicked every single day by his dad and he's had to endure that. And and when you get two of those really angry kids together, it's really easy to lash out or to try to find weak prey to kind of lash out your your anger, you know what I mean, on, on, mm-hmm. on innocent kids. And so, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it was interesting to learn because it was never kind of like my nature. I've always been this really just humble kid, like being raised in, in Los Angeles in the eighties, or I should say 10 years old and up, uh, in San Fernando Valley where I lived, it was like, it was a beautiful place up until about 80, 82, 83. And that's when, drugs hit the streets gangs started to just be everywhere it was like a battle just going to school like i would i visually saw so much violence in those years of like from 81 until like 88 that um i'm very grateful that i'm very healthy that i don't have any bullet wounds i've never been stabbed i have literally got my ass whooped before it's actually several times don't get me wrong but i managed to survive that um which taught me a lot about what it means to be bullied you know what i mean or what mm-hmm. it means to be you know beaten up and and you know you you try to defend yourself but when you've got six to 12 other people that are on one to two people it's always hard to to try to you, you know <laughs> yeah. to come out un, unscarred <laughs> you know? yeah so, Even if you're victorious, so, you're still going to walk out. Experience. Yeah, I mean, that was my yeah. experience. So I brought that experience, um, you know, into mm-hmm. into Grover's life. It wasn't as intense, I should say, because I, and I don't know if you know this, but, you know, when, when Grover Dill was cast as the main bully. Yeah, and, and, someone sent me an article about that. Yeah, and so uh, when, when we got on set, Bob Clark looked at us and said, oh, no, we'll just, we'll make Scott Farkas the main bully because of the size difference. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh my God, which meant that we both had to memorize each other's lines because I had memorized all my lines, which were my lines, but now Scott Farkas's lines are mine. And so I had this whole plan of action. Like it was this scarred kid, but it was kind of like this, you know, deep 40s New York kind of attitude, you know what I mean, where it was this mafioso little kid and and his his muscle, you know what I mean? It was like kind of like picture of Joe Pesci, you know what I mean? And yeah. And Robert De Niro, that's kind of how I wanted it to be. But (laughs) (laughs) hey kid. Right. Yeah. Right. And then there you go. There's the high pitched voice because I yeah. was a kid. You know, it's so funny yeah. when people say, you know, say that line again. I'm like, it's not going to sound the exactly. same. At all. Exactly. And I can't, I can't get that high pitch anymore. So, yeah. Yeah. How many times do people ask you, can you say the line again or can you do this again? Or can uh, you, like, you know, do this for my kid? You it's know? been a long time since somebody asked me that. Well, we usually go to events and there's a lot of energy and people are super excited. Of course, it's like that, that nostalgia of meeting, you know, a cast member from a Christmas story that's a movie you've been watching your entire life. And then now they're like sitting in front of you. It's the energy is very different. And so people, mm-hmm. you know, ask us to do all kinds of crazy stuff, which I, you know, I have, I have fun with that. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time though. I'd say and at least you, 12 years. Yeah. And do you do things like that? Like comic cons or like guest yeah. appearances places to do those things? Cause um, yeah, we have a comic con here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's the, where, wherever that's see what it takes is it takes somebody 
like a promoter who has all of the network and has all the capabilities to bring in talents. And so mm-hmm. if we can, you know, find those those avenues of people that understand that that whatever the Comic Con is in their area and we think that we could pull, you know, the uh the population into their into their business into the comic con then of course they'll bring us out we can have an event um Mm -hmm. that's kind of like what happened where i had a promoter reach out to me um for this event in new york in in rome and we put the whole thing together and then all of a sudden it was like covid got too rapid in that area the policies changed at the theater which kind of reduced our ability to sell the tickets that we needed to produce and so it put us in kind of in a bind but we're glad we we canceled it because we just didn't want to put everybody at a higher risk since since people in that area now it seems that there's been a lot of cases that have come you know to that area of covid so we'll wait till next year there's there's no i mean the thing is, is that, yes, we're all getting older and these years yeah. keep going by, you know what I mean? In two more years, we've got the 40th anniversary coming up and we plan on doing a lot of really big stuff for that Ooh. year, you know? So anything you can let us in on? Or? Uh, well, there's, there's a couple of ideas. So just know that it's all ideas right now. We yeah. 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 In, into an agreement just yet. Nothing in uh, stone. Yeah. There's, there's a, there's a, a big idea out in Baton Rouge, Louisiana mm-hmm. to, to put on a, a huge show. Um, there's another one in Florida. Um, there's even another one in New York. So yeah, there's, there's, there's probably going to be five to six locations that we're looking at. Oh, also in, um, oh man, where is he at again? In, in Tennessee. So Northern mm-hmm. Tennessee, um, yeah, so I mean, we've got a lot of good stuff that are, that's in the works, but just nothing concrete yet. And I don't like to, I don't like to announce or talk about anything really yeah, until, yeah. until we get agreements signed and it's actually happening. And then you once know, it's in stone, once it's in paper and stone, all of that. Yeah, once it's in paper and stone, and you know, the only thing canceling is something like COVID or something yeah, like that, you right, know. or some kind of emergency or something like that. You know. Yeah, but you know, like ninety nine percent sure that this is going to happen. Correct. Something like that. Yeah. So I got to ask, you told a cool behind the scenes story of how like there was that mat underneath the snow. Are there any other cool behind the scenes stories that you love telling about the movie? Like mm, anything um, funny? How about a funny story? <laughs> well, one of the funniest stories that I didn't know was happening at the time and I learned decades later was that in that fight scene with with Ralphie and Scott Farkas, what what I didn't realize is that, you know, the mitts that Ralphie had, and he was sweet, he took his mitts off, yeah. and they're tied to his wrists, right? And he's swinging. He's swinging at, you know, Scott Farkas. And then calling him every dirty name in the book. Right, exactly. And what nobody really understands is that those mitts were literally like pieces of ice, they, it was so cold, those mitts were frozen and they were like rocks. And so Zach was always complaining, like, be careful, like, don't hit me with those mitts because they feel like bricks against my yeah. face. So that was that was pretty funny to learn um, that that was happening because I don't think anybody had an idea. Also, there's one other very funny story that, um, and it's, it, it's sad. At the same time, it's super funny, and I, I feel super bad for for Peter. And that's when you know, in, in the um, on the gunfight in the backyard with with Bart, mm-hmm. um, 
Ralphie's pretending to chew and spit chew out while he's, you know, banging out these these robbers, right? Like he's actually being authentic Western. Yes, exactly. Yeah. He's got a big lip of, of, you know, tobacco on his lip and he's chewing and he's spitting and he's, you know, he's doing his thing. Well, what we didn't know is that the person who gave him the chew actually gave him real tobacco to put in his lip. Really? Yes. And so 15, 20 minutes later, guess what happens to poor people? Yeah. He is sick as a dog. Wow. Kid. He was he hit that toilet for probably two days. He was that sick. Like they had to wow. stop production and everything. Yeah, poor guy. You would think they so, would just give him something like uh like like just any liquid or something like that, you know, or like a piece of like not gum, but something similar, you know. You would think, but exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's like you would think thing. like some, some adult in there had some common sense and said, let's not give a kid tobacco. Let's give him something similar, you know? There you go. <laughs> let's give a lot. Just have him spit. Like just have him like literally just spit off scene or something like that. That's simple. Like you would think someone back then had common sense. But then again, we're also talking about people who had the idea that eh, kids can just hook the door handle during driving or something, you know? Right. Like, so. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to ask you three questions or two questions that I ask all my buddies that come on the show. Okay. Just to let you know, I don't call you guests. I call you buddies. Right. That's the name BuddyCast. Right. The first one is brought to you by our buddy from Hashtag Positivity. His name's Jonas Kane, okay. And he wants to know, in your own words, what does it mean to be someone's buddy? What does it mean to be somebody's buddy? Mm -hmm. Well, there's, there's a... <sighs> Uh, I should say it's it's a deeper it's interpretation first of all of what that actually can mean to somebody for me personally what it means to me is that it, when you call somebody a buddy it is an invitation to be not only a, a friend but a, like a close friend like you know there's there's differences of when you have friends and when you have close friends the difference that you can call somebody a buddy is is more like it's a little bit it means more it's got a deeper meaning for me that's what for me mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. that's awesome that's what I, that's the answers i like to hear on this show yeah. and now we have what we call the ultimate buddy cast buddy question okay. i've actually i'm going to split this up into three quick parts for you if you okay. don't mind sure the first one is for anyone who wants to be an actor what is your advice to them? Don't ever give up. Um, and continue to master your craft. Don't ever, ever think that you're good enough. Always take advice. Always keep learning. Always find the best that you possibly can to work with within your budgets. Um, also, at the same time, do your best to manage to create a career, something that you can generate uh, an income uh, or hopefully you have family support to be able to help you pay bills and food and, and take care of all the necessities of, of life. Um, 
just because you always want to have a backup plan period i mean because uh, there are there are actors out there that have went on auditions for 10 12 years and never got a job and then bam they got their first job in the next 25 years they've been consistent with acting and they're they're millionaires now so and then there's others that you know it takes a couple of years there's others that really work for a very long time and just never never make it but the true nature is, is that is that if you do it for the love and the passion of acting of being an entertainer of making a difference and an impact in people's lives because movies productions entertainment period is it's it's a huge necessity that we have this gift to be able to watch people on tv and create emotions within us and and captivate our our imagination and so actors actors work very 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 hard at their craft and so um with with any kind of passion it becomes fun enjoyable uh when when you feel like you're being challenged in a character or a script that's when you go even harder that's when you say yes i finally found a challenge this is hard this is going to teach me i'm going to be able to become better when this is no longer a challenge so um just be diligent be diligent and and do your best to never give up because there's going to be like literally for me i had so many no's there's more no's there's more auditions that you won't get with compared to the auditions that you will get mm-hmm. and so being okay with just doing your best in every audition because that's where in the room or nowadays when i say in the room that's what it was like for me as as a child actor is every audition was in the room with the casting director because we didn't have technology there was no internet we didn't have a zoom call we didn't have this capability of doing our auditions remotely now we have the technology to make that happen so it's a lot faster every time you do an audition into the camera when you're speaking to your audience or you're you're acting out that character and you're reading your lines you're literally looking into the soul of that person on the other cam on the other side of that camera and when they can feel that emotion generated from what you just displayed from a script then you become good that's that's great mm-hmm. right so um just work on your craft just continue to work on your craft and don't ever give up yes. if that's your passion Mm-hmm. And for, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish up. No, no, I'm done. That's it. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> for all of our buddies out there, what is your advice to them this holiday season? What's the advice for the holiday season? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say holiday season is the time for family. Is the time if if you have the opportunity to be with people that love you and you love them back because literally there could be family members that you don't love. And I get that. And I, you know, I respect that. And then there's, there's friends, there's people in your life that you would consider family because of their loyalty and their trust and their love for you. And so whoever that family is, whether they're blood or not, spending time with them is, is important. Um, But also just enjoy the moments. Like, what I've learned is that every time we have the opportunity with these holidays to get together with family, it really is about just doing that and enjoying the moments, whether it be arguments or laughs or spilled stuffing on the floor, or even if a dog eats your turkey, enjoy the moments. You know what I mean? Because that's, that's what life is 
is here for is for us to enjoy every single moment. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that's what I would say. Beautiful advice. And I also have to say, Bumpus Dogs. Bumpus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So my final question for you tonight yes. is yes. what is Grover Dill's advice to the world today? Oh, wow. Grover Dill's advice. Um, do you want Grover Dill as a 10-year-old or do you want Grover Dill as, as, an, as a mature adult? Let's, go, let's do both just for the heck okay. of it. All right. So the advice from Grover Dill as a child would be you don't eat yellow snow. <laughs> <laughs> Great advice. The advice... The advice from the adults, um, Grover Dill, to the world is mm, love everybody as you would. See, that's that's a hard one um, mm -hmm. because a lot of a lot of adults don't know how to love themselves. Like literally, don't know how to just truly be in in. Uh, in the feeling of being okay with who they are. Mm -hmm. So um, do unto others as you would do to yourself, respect yes. others as you would respect your grandmother, um, be at service to others as you would an elderly person trying to walk a busy street. Um, if you see somebody that's in trouble, help them out unconditionally. Um, so that, that would be, that would be my advice. If you see somebody who's on an exit freeway and they're asking for money, give them a dollar mm -hmm. um, or more if you choose to. Mm -hmm. um, be a part of your community. Be vocal with your your neighbors. <laughs> yes. uh, and and put up your Christmas lights. Yeah. And don't oh, forget to watch a Christmas story. Yes, that's what I was waiting for. Three times. <laughs> yes. And there's no excuse because it's on Zero. TBS 24. All you have to do is just turn the TV on and let it go. Yep. And make sure nobody turns it off. <laughs> oh yeah. It'll be like the it'll be like the lamp breaking scene where all of a sudden someone will be fidgeting in the, in the basement <laughs> doing something, they'll hear the crash and they'll go come upstairs. What was that? Right, right. It sounds like Grover Deal has greatly matured. So yes. Thank you so much for being a buddy here on BuddyCast. Thanks, buddy. You're an official buddy. And you know, stick around for a minute. We'll chat afterwards. Okay. But for all of my buddies out there, this is my new buddy, Grover Deal, a.k.a. Yano Anea. Please, like you said, watch A Christmas Story. It brings families together. Trust yeah. me. Yeah, and you it know if – what what I just want to say is thank you for, mm -hmm. for creating this – environment where people can feel like they're a part of something as as buddies to each other and so i encourage every every one of you all all our buddies all the buddies to if if you do have a love for the movie then i invite you to, to come join the family like we'll accept we accept everybody and, and the environment that we've created is literally about positivity it's about mm -hmm. uh, inspiring each other uh it's about yeah. doing our best to to protect the family of outside trolls and people who are negative and right so it's it's really about you know, creating this this um, this internal vibration that we all can share the love for a Christmas story and not have any any infiltration mm -hmm. of negativity around us. 
And that is why I created BuddyCast, to get away from that negativity, to get away from all that stuff on the outside world and just be like, hey, Grover Dill, how did you find the role? What led you, you know, what, tell us some stories behind it. So, yes, if I, I'll share the link with you, if you could post the link to the, to the, to the group afterwards, so more people can find it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'll send you the link after this. But I have one favor to ask you before we close out the show. And that is, please, go be someone's buddy today. For sure. Actually, I already did that. And I'll do it again. Sounds great. (laughs) We'll catch you all next time here on everybody's favorite podcast, BuddyCast. (laughs) Well, the days are going fast. Buddy, buddy, we've got to make them last. Buddy, buddy, before they Hey buddies, you thinking of starting your own podcast? Why not use Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast, and here's why. First off, it's free. Secondly, you have creation tools to record and edit right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor distributes for you. You can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Fourth, make money with no minimum listenership. And finally, you have everything you need for a podcast all in one place. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started.